Bueller. Are you better off than you were four years ago? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Shall we play Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Come back with me to the 1980s and the roller coaster ride that was my high school experience. I lived a John Hughes life, and some of the celebrity vocal talent I've assembled to take you on this journey helped to give us all that 80s good time vibe. The names have been changed to protect the not so innocent. Yes, Mother and I used to worry about you going steady. Still do some. But you're older now. Mother and I think that you're better able to cope with the problems that go with going steady. Yes. You've played the field for two or three years, Jeff. Now you begin to settle on one girl. To date her rather steadily for a while. Of course, the first time you go steady, you don't expect it to be permanent. Permanent? Mother and I went steady for quite a while. But it wasn't the first time for either of us. I took Kelly on a first date. It had to be somewhere special. Classy. Impressive. Not something in the mall and certainly not a date to the movies. There was this upscale restaurant out of town called Widow Brown's Inn. That would be the place. It was nice. Dim lighting, ornate, old-timey decor. Adults dined. Few kids were there. This was a place where romances and business were the top of the menu. The waiter offered us wine lists. He never carded us. She was incredible. Her fantastic dry sense of humor was coupled with being so damn smart. How did she end up at the movie theater for a job? And the question I wanted to ask her most, why did she pick me of all the guys that work there? Let me fill you in on a little secret. She was the only girl I ever seriously dated who smoked. After growing up and at the time still living with a mom and stepdad who were putting away about five packs daily between them, I could not stand cigarette smoke. I reeked of it and didn't even know it and it's amazing any girl could stand to be near me, but almost everyone smoked back then. Most of my friends' parents smoked. It was the common thing and I didn't stand out any more than they did. On the way to the restaurant, she asked if she could smoke in my car. As kids, when we went in the car with my mom or both my mom and stepdad, they would smoke. The whole fucking car looked like Spicoli's van from Fast Times at Ridge Mile High. My mom would crack the window like an inch, maybe two at best. Sometimes I would ask her to crack it more and out of spite, she'd close it completely just to piss me off. We sat in the back often getting out with headaches and, of course, smelling like some filthy ashtray. So no, my car was smoke-free. And she was totally cool with it. She put her cigarette away. She had taken it out at first, assuming, as most smokers do, that they will get to do it. And the night went on, and it was fantastic. It was very adult. It was a wonderful first date. I got the bill, left a tip, felt like I was the ripe old age of 25. I took Kelly home afterwards and we sat outside her house in the driveway. She had some giant German shepherd dog that I didn't see but I could hear him. It was like Cujo was inside her house. Can I kiss you goodnight? Oh, I don't kiss on the first date. Well, then I guess a blowjob is out of the question. Looking forward to a second, third, and well, you get it. Call me. 
Thanks again. Drive safe. I was in love. There was no doubt about it. I was crazy for her. I missed her the moment she was out of my sight. She gave one last demure wave before going inside. My life was suddenly in orbit around Kelly. We had two homecomings that year. The first was rained out in October. We had the second a month later. I was asked to escort one of the nominees. I suspect I wasn't her first choice, but it was an honor all the same. Kelly and I were doing great. We had selected a prom site, and Halliden kept her word and said nothing. We rode around the stadium track that night as the floats led the way, the same track where Shaken Jimmy once led his pirate attack upon his own senior float years before. Reagan was out there in the crowd. She was in the band. She had to see me. Becca was crowned homecoming queen, and homecoming was the first major ceremony down. Three to go, and prom was one of them. We finished off the fundraising with a few more gatherings at Jess's candy shop. Jan took over Jess's mom's office, counting the money and prepping it for deposit to Mrs. Metzger and Ricka's office. We selected this historical hotel and resort for our prom site, Delaware Heights, a place that had a guest list that included FDR, JFK, Jack Nicholson, Stephen King, Woody Allen, Jackie Gleason, and on. It had a giant ballroom and stood as the pinnacle of high society since it was built in 1926. Things hit a lull after we secured Delaware Heights. Everything kind of fell into a senior year routine. It was really anticlimactic. One late afternoon, Mr. Powell summoned me to his desk at the front of the room. Mr. President, come hither. He opened his desk drawer. How would you like to play a little trick on Uncle Moe's lazy ass? I looked down and saw a VHS cassette with the triple X rating sticker screaming up at me. What are you doing with that? And that's for me to know and you to never find out. Go do the switcheroo on Uncle Moe and let a little something drop in his VCR. He gave me the tape and ushered me to the door. The plan to zing Uncle Moe was in full swing. Powell walked to Moe's door, knocked, and interrupted. Interrupted what? I, I don't know, as Moe never really taught. Uncle Moe, can I see you out here? Africa Day was another VCR day. Moe popped in some documentary on Africa while he sat somewhere in the room with a newspaper and coffee and read while kids watched or slept. I pretended to go to the lab, walking past Moe and Powell in the hall. Powell got Moe to keep his back to the classroom door, and I snuck in with the porn tape under the large wooden lav pass, while Uncle Moe and Mr. Powell talked outside. My friends were in there, and I crept up to that giant top-loading VCR, popped eject, and swapped out Africa for backdoor blondes. I turned to the class of kids and held up a librarian parody, shh, finger. Because you know there's always one kid who has the potential to rat you out. Chris Michaels was in here while you were out in the hall and, and you might want to check your VCR. Fuck that kid. Kiri blew me a kiss and crushed her boobs together for me. I left the room. I glided past Moe and Powell in the hallway and I gave Mr. Powell a subtle thumbs up. Well, gotta teach these cunnermen. Have a good one, Moe. That's it? 
You like my shoes? I took my seat as Powell left his door open, coming into the room and hovering near the open doorway. He was listening, narrating what he envisioned Uncle Mo was doing in his classroom next door. He's getting his coffee. He's grabbing the newspaper. Turning on the TV. Hitting play. Sitting down. Powell's eyes closed, his hands saying, wait for it. And then... Screams and applause erupted from Moe's class next door. It filled the hall outside. Someone gave a rooster crow over there for good measure. And at that moment, over in Moe's room, he lowered the newspaper to see what his class was cheering on. They said his mouth dropped. He leaned closer for a better look and said, That's not Africa. We gathered in the gym for our last winter sports assembly. Hines, Halladin, Ricca, and the school board handed out letters to the athletes as we watched. The clock was ticking faster. Spring was upon us. I sat with Jess, Yosh, Jan, and Becca near the top of the bleachers. But Allison was at the end of the row with Yosh. They were having a very meaningful conversation. Hey, there's a lid for every pot. Just when you had it all figured out. While 1984's final moments were ticking down, Jess was driving to the chalet on some snow and ice-covered roads. Right around the time we reached the final 10 countdown, he lost control of the Trans Am and spun off the road, planting the car firmly into the woods. Kelly was with me at the chalet. We kissed as 1985 was rung in on TV, and I wondered where Jess was. Jess marched into the chalet while Kelly and I were in mid-kiss. His face was wet with tears. I was shocked. I never saw Jess show emotion. He stormed for the bathroom with hardly anyone noticing he'd come in, let alone upset. I followed after him as Kelly tailed behind me. He let me into the bathroom and Kelly stood guard outside. I heard her out there turn someone away who had to use the bathroom. Presidential bathroom cabinet meeting? Inside the bathroom, Jess was having a major meltdown. My dad's gonna kill me! Dude, he paid off the chief of police after we did a high-speed chase. He's not going to kill you. I didn't fuck up my $15,000 car. I tried to save your VCR and those stupid movies of yours on my front seat. What? So this is my fault? I got you the money back. Remember? I saved your ass. I left upstairs and went down with Kelly to talk to the others about helping Jess out. Would they help get the Trans Am out of the woods? Let him call a tow truck. Guys, it's Jess. Come on. Tell him to buy another car. He's got a point. The only reason we let him come here is because of you, dude. Aww. For me, please. As a favor? They looked around the room at each other, debating with their eyes like something telepathic was exchanging between all of them. Then Kelly spoke up like some football coach out of nowhere. Come on, guys. For your president? It's Captain Chris, for Christ's sake. Say that five times fast. They all stared at her, thinking... Who the hell is this girl? I dare ya. We love you, baby. Kiri said that. Mick led the group out of the room. They grabbed jackets and left the chalet to trudge down to the road and rescue Jess's car. For me, kids that I once feared were now spending their New Year's the first day of 1985 helping me. Fuck it, let's go.
Mick, Steve, Kellen, and the guys circled the crash Trans Am. They lifted the car inches off the ground. I'm not kidding. These football players lifted that Trans Am like half a foot off the ground and moved it to where it could be driven free from the woods. We should fucking turtle it. Just a flat tire. His parents would never find out. Talk about luck. I came back to the chalet where Jess was waiting. I drove the Trans Am back up. I handed Jess his keys. You're welcome. Memorial Day weekend, 1985. My parents left for their annual camping excursion to a state park about an hour away. Camping to them, to be clear, was taking their pop-up trailer camper, parking it on a cement slab with water and electric hookup, a fire pit 10 feet away, and next door to other vehicles, all roughing it out in the same wilderness. We held the last fundraiser in my backyard that weekend. Well over 250 kids packed my backyard drinking from kegs and red cups with music blasting from some giant cassette boombox. Coming through, coming through. Hey, where's Jan? I'm not letting this out of my sight. Steve had the shoebox, looking to deliver it to Jan. Kelly was with me. We drank a beer and watched the party move around us. Something caught my eye, way up on the back deck of my house. It was Reagan. She was up there, scanning the backyard, looking for me. She looked right at Kelly and I. I moved fast for the deck as she started walking down the steps for me. I closed the gap. We met face to face for the first time in months. Since we, well, since I broke up with her. Hey, what are you doing here? So this is what a fundraiser looks like. Where is she? Craig was in a picnic chair near us. He was slumped forward, his chin popped onto his knuckles, and he heaved, and he puked and spewed from the sides of his mouth like a sick fountain. I moved Reagan away from Craig just as Kelly found us. She put her arm around my waist. The two girls locked eyes, and for a moment, I fantasized about a dirty, clothes-ripping cat fight over me. I just wanted to see her for myself. With that, she turned and fled up the stairs. All Kelly had to say was, Every party has a pooper. And then Jess broke it all up. He came running up to me, panicked, out of breath. Dude, your folks! Your mom just came in the house. My parents went camping. They're like 40 miles away. I didn't think about her hospital calling her in for an emergency. Jess pointed to the back deck where Reagan just ran. She probably passed my mother because standing up there was my mom, cigarette and eyes burning, looking down from that deck. She came down those steps in silence. Kids fled. She split the crowd like a giant shark through a school of fish. She was making a beeline right for me. She walked up to me as kids fled in the background. Even though the music was loud, everything went silent, and all I could hear were her words. You have 15 minutes to get everyone out of here, and then I'm calling the state police. My backyard turned into the beach panic scene in Jaws. I raced through the backyard like Chief Brody trying to get people out of the water. Everybody out! Everybody out of the yard now! Everybody out of the yard now! I fled to Kelly's house. No way was I going to test the wrath of Bonnie after the backyard evacuation. 
Years later, my stepdad said when they pulled into the development and saw all the cars lined up on both sides of the road, leading all the way up to our house, my mom bit her bottom lip and said, that fucking son of a bitch. I sat on Kelly's bed in her room around two in the morning. I don't have anything to sleep in. She didn't either. She dropped her clothes to the floor, standing only in her panties. She looked at me only 10 feet away and said, I've been on the pill a month. Guess what we can do? What date number is this? I lost my virginity that night, one week before the prom. I don't think I lasted two minutes. I was so disgusted. All that bravado, all that Captain Chris hype. And it turned out Reagan dodged a rubber bullet. I sat on the edge of her bed afterwards, beating myself up. She slid up next to me, smoking a cigarette and nuzzling me. You were fine. Stop being so hard on yourself. We can practice all summer. I love you, Captain Chris. I loved her so much it literally hurt. I could feel it in my chest. It physically hurt my heart. I went home that morning no longer a virgin. It was exciting and sobering at the same time. The whole idea that I had been transformed in the hours that just passed took my attention from the road. I passed through an empty Westwood, coming to Main Street and... I blew the red light at a four-way on Main. I almost T-boned this giant boat of a car with a guy that looked like Porky from those comedy movies with white hair behind the wheel. His car drifted, spinning to the side. He rolled down his window, his face a mask of rage. What are you, fucking blind kid? That's a red light, you asshole. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I... I, I just lost my virginity last night, and I wasn't thinking, and... The guy shut up. The town was so quiet, I swear you could hear the traffic lights change color. He just sat there, stuffed behind the wheel, mouth open. What the fuck did he just hear? He shook his head and drove away. I got home ten minutes after that. The sun was coming up, and as I walked through the door, my mom was at the kitchen table. She had just come off that night shift. Cigarette in hand a glass of orange juice, and her favorite cereal, peanut butter, Captain Crunch, was at the table with her. Was wondering when you'd slink in. You moved that party fast. I sat down at the table with her. I was still shaken by my near car accident. No sense in trying to dodge her as well. We sat quiet for a few moments, waiting for the other to go first. So what'd you end up doing last night after you fled? I had sex with Kelly for the first time. Not the answer she was expecting. She kept cool. Took a drag on her cigarette. Sex for the first time or sex with Kelly for the first time? Both. Oh yeah? How was it? It's not like in the movies. It rarely is. Past the orange juice. You both were smart? Yeah. She's on the pill. Be smarter. Use something, too. You and Reagan. It wasn't like it is with Kelly. I was 18 when I had you. I wanted out of the house, and your father wanted a way out of Vietnam. That's why I'll break your legs before I let Reagan send you to Central America. I know, Mom. There are things I would change. I wish a lot turned out differently. 
But the one thing I would never change is having you and Scott. My life went differently than I thought, but I love you very much. I see your potential, and I hope you do too, and don't get sidetracked. She gave me a get-me look. Reality's on the horizon with graduation, Chris. Enjoy it while you can. I'm going to get to bed. I'm tired. As you should be. I got up, kissed her, and went to bed as she finished her cigarette, leaving her deep in thought as the sun continued to rise on a new day. Oh, well, who's thinking about getting married? A lot of young people do actually drift into marriage without first finding out how they get along with more than just one person.